Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Hi, everybody. It's Bob Vetter here. Before we get started, and just in case you have to get off this podcast early, if you'd like to get underway with your own healing and clear away any energetic blockages, you can get on a free call with me. Go to HealWithBob.com. Greetings, listeners. I'm lucky today to be with Robbie Holtz. Robbie Holtz is an internationally respected healer and medium, frequent media guest, and an author of the award-winning book read in 43 countries called Secrets of Aboriginal Healing and Aboriginal Secrets of Awakening. The Aboriginal healing secrets are revealed at the request of the remote Aboriginal tribes people. Using Aboriginal healing techniques, Robbie healed herself of hepatitis C, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, and treatment-induced temporary brain damage. Her latest book, Vibrant Living, Braving the Pandemic with Help from Your Guardian Angel, is filled with clear directives on how to engage angels and benevolent spirit guides for help with any of today's challenges. Visit her website at www.holtzwellness.com. Welcome, Robbie Holtz. I'm so happy to be with you. I love your backstory, and today we're going to hear all about it. So welcome, first of all. Well, thank you, Bob. It's really nice to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. And I am excited to hear this story because it really resonates with all of the key themes that we talk about here on my podcast. So I'm wondering if you could share with us your personal story on what brought you of all things to Aboriginal healing and take us through that process of your own healing and how that unfolded. Yeah, that's quite a distance to, uh, for the girl from the Midwest to end up actually using remote Aboriginal healing techniques. And you don't do that without desperation. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I delivered my son back in 85 and it was a really rough delivery and they ended up it was like 32, 36 hours. And they decided to give me a, a blood transfusion. They said it would perk me up faster. And I didn't know at the time, nobody did, that it was tainted with hepatitis C. Mm. And hepatitis C, at that time, nobody really knew about it. They called it non-A, non-B. It's a silent killer. It very quietly attacks the liver. So I didn't know that I had hepatitis C and that it was really destroying my body until about maybe five or six years later when I went through extreme stress and all of a sudden it came out. It had been dormant to some extent and now sort of came out from the basement. How do we put it back? So I almost died from hepatitis C initially. And then I happened to live near Seattle where they were doing a lot of the experimental treatment for hepatitis. And they put me on experimental treatments that almost killed me, but it certainly kept me alive. And at this point, I'm in my early 30s with a young child, and my passion, my intention is to just survive long enough for him to remember me. He was too little to really remember me. And I wanted to parent him as long as I could, but certainly offer memories as well. 
So I took this experimental drug uh, treatment and I was on it way longer than anybody else had been. Usually you're on it three to six months. I was on it like five years. Um, but it left me in pretty bad circumstances because the sec now I almost died a second time from the treatment. So at this point, I still have the hepatitis C. I have the fibromyalgia now and chronic fatigue syndrome and temporary brain damage uh, from everything that's been going on. And I was in bed for about six to nine months. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't function. I couldn't finish my sentence because I couldn't remember what I was talking about. And it was really interesting. You take a lot for granted. I couldn't remember how to get water out of a faucet and what, which side was what, or how to, when you put your pants on, what does, what's the front, what's the back? I mean, that's how bad I was. But because I wanted to survive as long as I possibly could, I certainly didn't think I would live another 10 years. I set out on this path to heal myself because the doctors had nothing for me. They'd given me everything that they had available to them. And what I discovered was that there's a lot of options out there that are alternative that can be very, very effective. So ultimately, I ended up healing myself. And if that's, that whole journey is described in the Aboriginal Secrets of Awakening. Um, but I ended up healing myself and curing myself of what the doctor said was incurable at the time. Because at that time, they said there was no cure for hepatitis C. You'll just have it the rest of your life. But I ended up completely curing myself of all of that. The hepatitis C, the fibromyalgia, the chronic fatigue syndrome, and the, and the brain damage. So that researchers were curious and they would test me all the time. How did you heal this? And really, basically, what I did was follow the guidance that the Aboriginal, uh, remote Aboriginal healers had given us. And discovered later that that's what I was doing that my late husband Gary had come across and that's another story right there but it's it's the it's recognizing Bob that it's a body mind spirit that are, are all involved in healing and that the emotions are very tied to the body I was living my life completely numb to my body and what its needs I was very I felt um I was raised Catholic and we are professionals at guilt and I felt guilty taking time for myself. And I, I was a career woman. I also was a mother. I was, uh, you know, a, a wife. We were building a home. Uh, what else can we add to this? Right. And so that's when I got really sick. It was too much stress and my body collapsed under that. And so that I, after healing myself, I decided I really want to help other people recognize how to heal themselves because we're giving an awful lot of our power away to cultural beliefs to different medical systems to professionals and that's what sort of put me on this path of waking people up to how the emotions are very affected by the body that the soul has a voice in this and that you have to learn to pay attention to aligning the body, mind, and spirit, all three play a part in, in the healing process and sustaining that healing process. What a great story. And <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. And the theme of this entire podcast series is all about exactly that, all about uh, 
aligning the mind, the body, the spirit, and the emotions. And, uh, you know, my own, my own background is in using curanderismo, which is a, a Mesoamerican, ancient Mesoamerican healing art. And we place great emphasis on the emotions. And in fact, within our system of healing, we say that, uh, that the cause of most illness is yes. blocked emotions. Absolutely. Not that the emotion is wrong in any way, but what flows is healthy and what is blocked is what causes us harm, whether it creates an illness of the mind or the body or the spirit. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, and that's why the Aboriginal, the, the remote Aboriginal tribes people gave us their healing secrets. These are ancient healing secrets that have passed been passed on word of mouth from at least 60,000 years old. And they gave those healing secrets to us because, and they wanted us to get us out, to get this information out there because they said that Western civilization, especially does not understand how healing happens. Mm -hmm. We're really missing the boat because we're just trying to heal the, not just, but we're trying to heal the physical without paying attention to the emotional. Mm -hmm. And what, so they likened it to like a dandelion you don't get to the root, the emotional core, it's like picking the top of a dandelion. It's just going to come right back again. Mm -hmm. So you can have tumors removed. You can take pharmaceutical drugs, but if you don't get to the emotional core behind it, what started it, it will come right back again. So what, uh, what I've learned is, is that emotions, and yes, do not suppress emotions. That the Aboriginal people have taught us how, you know, feel it, and then let it go. What's next? Mm -hmm. We're, we tend to hang on to them and really marinate in them. <laughs> it's either love-based or it's fear-based. And fear-based emotions can be very toxic to the body because they tend to block energy. They tend to create cells that are not. Dr. Emoto showed us with his water with his photography of water, right? Mm -hmm. How they're very discombobulated. They're, they're, they don't function very well. They slow down energy. And the body crumbles under all this emotional weight. And the hardest emotions on the body are uh, guilt, shame, uh, self-hatred. Those are really hard. So if you're constantly marinating in those, you're going to potentially be creating problems down the road. It's like a warning system on a car, the dashboard. That's, if you don't feel good emotionally, I guarantee you're affecting the body as well. And so they're two tied together, the body and the emotions. So it's like that warning system starting to blink. If you're getting depressed, getting anxiety, getting stressed, fibromyalgia is system-wide fear. That's what fibromyalgia is. And it's interesting that it's becoming more and more prevalent in our society. It used to just be women. Now it's men. Now it's teenagers. It's system-wide fear. Mm -hmm. So it, it's create this negative and toxic Negativity creates this toxic environment. It's like a swampy breeding ground, perfect for disease. It's a low frequency. It's a lower vibration. Those emotions create a lower frequency. And when you have love-based emotions like compassion, gratitude, those are a higher frequency that disease can't sustain in. They create, like Dr. Emoto showed us, like these perfect symmetrical snowflakes, very high-functioning, very vibrant. And it's a high-frequency that is almost like, it's like a raging river teeming with life versus this swampy, perfect breeding ground for disease. So you need to start paying attention to 
what are the emotions that you're having on a regular basis because it's affecting your body. And if you have a, for instance, as an example, we hold grief in our chest area, our solar plexus. That's everybody can feel grief there. If you have a lot of grief that's not being released and you release it through exercise, laughter, uh, meditation, whatever, but there's a number of ways to music. If you don't release that grief, you will build up that energy and that toxicity. And if you have a history, a family history of heart disease or breast cancer, you're potentially creating a real problem there. So that's why you need to pay attention to what kind of emotions am I regularly engaged in? And, but that's also, you need to take a step back farther than that because I had this, I lived in a lot of stress and I thought I thrived on it. I'm one of those, you know, how many phone lines can I have blinking at the same time? I, I, you know, and people standing in front of me. I mean, I loved it on some level, but my body hated that constant stress level. Right. So if, if you want to change your body, you need to start paying attention to the thoughts that you have. Yes. But that's like trying, trying to take a tree down one leaf at a time. It's better to take the whole tree down at once. So pay attention to become more aware of what are the mindsets creating that negativity. Mine was guilt about taking time for myself, listening to my body's needs. Uh, you know, and so I needed to pay attention to what my body needed and honor that and respect it, first of all. And I got forced into it. Nine months in bed will give you plenty of time to work on that. Definitely. <laughs> So this is some really, I think, important uh, takeaways already uh, for our listeners in how to use this very valuable information. I'd like to back up, if you don't mind, a little bit and talk about what you mean by the remote Aboriginal people. Let's, yeah. let's delve into the cultural element with, of this, if you don't mind. Okay. Um I'm not, when I talk about that, I'm talking about the people who have stayed safeguarded in the, the outback of Australia. The outback is vast. It is just huge. And so they have safeguarded themselves and stayed remote deliberately. And I can only talk about the ones that I experienced and then the ones that my husband had also had the experience with. I think that they are, I believe that the particular remote aboriginals that we were dealing with are highly evolved, highly evolved. I'm sure like the ones that you met on your journey as well. They have a different mindset. They have different belief systems. They have passed on, they're the oldest continuous culture on the planet, at least 60,000 years old. And they, they really have stayed very connected to the earth They've stayed extremely connected to, they're telepathic because they've never stopped being telepathic. We used to all have that ability. And then we started speaking out loud. And when we started speaking out loud, we lost those abilities to communicate to the plants to find out which could heal you, to communicate to where the water is under the ground, to communicate to, uh, you know, the earth. Uh, they're like the, you could call them the, orig the original environmentalists. They, it's very sacred to them. They are aware of the energy lines. So by staying telepathic, they have never lost that connection to Mother Earth. And that's called the old language for them. Whereas they feel sorry for us that we have lost that connection 
and we've lost our um, really. It's so funny that we would call ourselves the civilized <laughs> culture when we're really very far behind. They're living in what I would call a higher advanced state where they don't have its simplicity, its love, its gratitude. Now, again, not all Aboriginal tribes people, but the ones that we encountered that are very remote, that are highly advanced. They don't have, for instance, a possessive word. There's no my. It's all about being in service to each other. They, uh, they don't have ego. Uh, there's no, you know, um, they share everything. They have this deep desire to help each other, to be a community. They're very connected. They know they are connected and that they're all one. They know that and they live it. it, it it's a, they have so much to teach us. And I'm just so grateful that they gave us, they're giving us insights to help us move forward. And, and that's why they, first of all, you've got to start with the healing aspect. You can't get, move farther along on your journey, spiritual journey, especially if you're just very, very sick. So that's why they gave us this information and asked us to take it out into the world. And apparently it really resonates with people because I was really surprised. I, I, I really got this book out, Secrets of Aboriginal Healing, more for my husband when he passed uh, a long time ago, 2007, I got it out for him. Um, and I was just shocked that it's just taken off across the planet. It's in, in it's translated in Selinian, it's Korean. I just got an email this morning from a kind woman who said, I'd like to translate this into Russian mm. uh, because people relate to truth. They can feel it, they know it. And when they read it in this very small, simple little book. It's like a little over a hundred pages, but it's the truth outlined very clearly. And that's um, the gift that they have given us. So one way I'd like to cover one more theme before we finish up our first session together. And that is the story of how your husband ended up meeting these people in the first place. And then yeah, in our next mess. session, we're going to talk about some of the specific teachers along the way okay well my my late husband gary he had ms he was a, a globe-trotting award-winning physicist very science oriented very you know uh, black and white and he had a really abusive childhood alcoholic father who used to beat him and he got really good at numbing himself emotionally until he literally numbed himself physically with ms so he was a quadriplegic had been for seven years and the doctors told him he had, they gave him, you know, the talk that he was going to be passing. He, his organs were shutting down. So Gary was quite desperate and heard, and that's a synchronicity that he learned about the Aboriginal healers and how they were extraordinary. That's in Secrets of Aboriginal Healing. And when he contacted them, one of them had an apartment in the city because he had children in the city and he would come back and forth between the tribe and the city. When Gary contacted him, they already knew he was coming. He had just learned about them, but they already knew he was coming because they're so tapped in. So he went in a wheelchair to the outback two weeks later, came out 10 days later, completely transformed. He had feeling in his body, which he hadn't had in seven years. He's only there for a, a little over a week. He now uh, understood the connection of the MS, the numbing emotionally and the physical he, and the numbing. 
he understood that um, he, the, the Aboriginals gave him the same, helped him realize he had the same abilities that they did. He could become telepathic. He could see inside bodies. He could see auras. He could, uh, I mean, it, it was amazing. And he was communicating on the other side of the veil. So he came back transformed. I mean, he literally was able to walk on that airplane aisle, supporting himself on the airplane seats. But the biggest transformation was emotional because he realized that there's a lot of gray that exists that can't be proven and that it, it still exists, even though he may not be able to see it. And it was quite bizarre to him. He started communicating with his angel and that's changed everything. And he came back and he got a, another degree, a doctorate degree in immunology and nutrition and started practicing what the Aboriginals had taught him and became a phenomenal healer, but he was practicing psychoneuroimmunology, which is the body uh, being stimulated by the mind, affect the mind affecting the immune system. So th what the Aboriginals taught him is really quantum physics. It's, it's all these things that we're, we're just starting to wake up to. So he lived- All phenomena. What's that? The interconnectedness of all phenomena. Yes, absolutely. So he lived 12 years beyond what the doctors told him and he, uh, well, we'll save what happened after he passed for the next section. Absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. This is a fascinating story, Robbie. And I think we'll, we'll close on, at, that, at this point on this story, and we'll pick it up in our next session. So, Robbie Holtz, what a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Bob. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you, listeners. Please tune in the next time to hear the next part of this incredible story. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you're a very spiritual person who just needs a little help clearing away what's been holding you back through some relatively quick healing techniques, get on my calendar for a free call. Go to healwithbob.com. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.